Hi everyone, welcome to Sports and Shorts of Sorts, episode 15, little Father's Day edition. <laughs> Start like we always do, we'll do our jersey thing, and like number 15, there's a pretty big jersey wear of that right now, Nikola Jokic, this year's NBA final MVP, <laughs> NBA champion, the two-time MVP racks up triple doubles at the center position at a rate that we just have not seen. He looks so unathletic going through the motions. You might question whether your TV is like on half speed. You check it. No, it's full speed. That's what he goes at. His basketball IQ is off the charts. Seems to be a play, maybe two plays ahead of everyone else. And it was just an amazing season by the big Serbian. You know, he's become one of my favorite players to watch. As you've seen, I had his jersey. <laughs> he deserves to have a rest-filled offseason. There's already... Footage of him, you know, cheering on his horses. He's a big horse guy, and he's got all his horses racing over in Serbia. So, good on you, Jokic. You uh, deserve the break. <laughs> and uh, a number 15 that stands out in Canada here, Vince Carter. He really put the Toronto Raptors on the map. Air Canada Carter, they called them back when they played at the Air Canada Centre. Now Scotiabank Arena, a little tougher to sell a nickname there, but <laughs> his dunks just seemed effortless, like... He would float. He would just float to the hoop. It was, yeah, some say he's one of the best dunkers to ever lace them up. I I could agree with that. There's footage of him at like 40 years old throwing windmills down and through the legs. It's just, it's pretty crazy. And like, he won Rookie of the Year. He really, like I said, put the Raptors on the map. Like, that playoff run in 2001 was awesome. That duel with Allen Iverson. like, And that was MVP Allen Iverson. That was like his best year. And, like, unfortunately, a lot of people remember that for Vince Carter going to his college graduation back in North Carolina. It was the same day as Game 7. He promised his mom he'd graduate. And, like, he played a good game. He missed a buzzer beater. And people were like, oh, he missed that buzzer beater because he was there. Like, it's a bit of a stretch. You want to preach education then scold someone for doing it. Like, he did both. Almost pulled it off. But, you know, the... The end of his career didn't go too hot, you know, with people questioning it, whether he was hurt, him coming out saying, well, I'm done going to the hoop, dunks are only two points anyway. Regardless of how it ended, it was it was really good. And, like, he played in four different decades, you know. He wore 50 in his whole career, other than his stints in Dallas and Phoenix. And, you know, he, he got a few stints out there, but you got to watch the Vince Carter mixtape. Get the popcorn. It's amazing, especially that dunk in the 2000 Olympics. Where he jumped over Frederick Weiss on the France and the French team. 7 2, he jumped right over him. You could see Kevin Garnett's reaction being right there. And he reacts to everything that way, but the way he reacted was pretty crazy. Probably one of the best dunks you'll ever see. But uh, going back to the Nuggets, this is where you might have a weird retiring situation for jerseys, but excuse me, Carmelo Anthony. He was number 15, number 3 pick in that legendary draft with LeBron, D-Wade, and Chris Bosh. But uh, he did change to go to 7 when he went to the Big Apple. But, you know, he was named the NBA 75th anniversary team. And, yeah, he was amazing with Team USA. Three gold medals and a bronze. So, congrats to Melo. And uh, I guess I got to mention another big man with the 15 retired with the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, shout out to Hal Greer. He won a title being partnered up with Will Chamberlain there. And, 
he did what he could. My last basketball shout-out will be to Vinny Johnson, the microwave, cool nickname, because <laughs> he'd come off the bench and he'd heat up, you know, instant heat <laughs> right off the bench. He was part of those bad boys teams that won back-to-back -back titles, and they retired his number in Detroit. But that was a lot of hoops, 15. A lot of people don't watch as many hoop, hoop, as much hoops as I do. So when they see 15, they probably think of, you know, defending Super Bowl champion Patrick Mahomes. And I mean, I can't blame you. He's the best quarterback in the league right now, straight up, you know. And, like, I'm not a cheese guy. I I don't know. But I, I like to root for Mahomes, except when he's playing the Packers, I guess. <laughs> or if I'm playing against him in fantasy or something. But he's something else. The no-look passes, the mobility. You know, when he was running on that, that injured ankle, it, he left it all out there. He showed a, a different type Another, you know, attributes was already insane attributes, but he's something else. But like I said, I mentioned Green Bay. You got to mention Bart Starr, <laughs> winner and MVP of the first two Super Bowls in NFL history. And another quarterback that comes to mind, probably more known for his college career than his pros, but Tim Tebow, right? You know, you can get down and do a Tebow right now. Two national championships with the Gators. Heisman Trophy, you know, championship game MVP, legendary figure in Gainesville, you know. He had that one good year in the NFL with the Broncos when he had that sweet pass to Demarius Thomas, rest in peace, and uh, over time they beat the, upset the Steelers, you know, and, like, all we had to do what he had to do. We got rid of Tebow to bring in Manning, who brought him a Super Bowl, so you could see why. I just wish, you know, Tebow could have panned out somewhere. He seemed like a... He just won, you know, he's a winning guy. He might not have had the nicest looking throw or anything, but he did all right. Yeah. Going to baseball, there's only one I really thought of. Dustin Pedroia, Boston Red Sox, great. You know, 14 seasons, rookie of the year, four All-Stars, four Golden Gloves, and he's part of the two World Series in Boston, so pretty good. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's the jerseys, and uh, we'll jump into the sports, right? Last it seems like an eternity ago, last Monday, way back, but Denver they took they ended it against the Heat, right? In five games. Franchise's first ever title. Forty seven years of existence, you know. They joined the Spurs now as two of the four teams that came over from the ABA and won a title. Nets and Pacers still haven't, but some pretty good ABA roots there. And uh yeah, this historic run they went on was just great. Jimmy Butler, he had a historic run of his own, knocking off great teams along the way. But, yeah, they just couldn't do it in the end, you know. Missing Victor Oladipo and Tyler Hero, I think, was eventually catching up with him, you know. Jimmy Buckets did what he could. Bam played pretty well in the finals, you know. Lowry showed some flashes. He's older now. He's not the same Lowry walking through that door in Toronto, like... People called them old then, <laughs> but they're just the piece away, you know. They got here with undrafted guys. They did what they had to do. They played who they had with their injuries and got here. So people are saying they're a piece away. I think so too, but we'll see what happens with that. But, you know, back to the Nuggets. They were the best team all season. No number one in the West. They had Jokic, who people said didn't, you know, didn't deserve MVP this year. He's already won two in a row. But I've already talked about him enough in the jersey portion. You had Jamal Murray all healed up, right? 
And, like, different players just coming up when they needed them. Like, you had Bruce Brown to Christian Brown. You had Jeff Green, KCP, Aaron Gordon. And even DeAndre Jordan made an appearance in Game 5. But Game 5, Michael Porter Jr. was the guy. He finally showed up, you know. Usually he's got the silky smooth jumper, but it wasn't dropping. He was making cuts to the hoop. He's being aggressive without the ball. Getting those offensive rebounds. Like, he... He was a real difference maker in that, you know, like the Nuggets only won 94-89. Like that does say it's a little closer than it was, but yeah, that without those guys helping, they could have lost this series, you know, but you got to be happy for a lot of those vets. Like Uncle Jeff, Jeff Green, he's played for 12 teams. Ish Smith, he's played for 13 NBA teams. These guys just kept fighting, fighting, trying to get paid to play the game they love. And here they are, they get in the ring, shout out to them. And they, it's so cool to see these teams in their fucking championship parade. Just encourage all the public intoxication, you know. Michael Malone was living his best life, taking shots at LeBron and the Lakers. Which of course caused LeBron to pause on his European trip and be like, oh yeah, I see I'm still in your heads, you know. Enjoy your light, but I'm the sun and I'm here forever. I don't know if he's working on his album over there or what, but uh Again, congrats to the Denver Nuggets. You earned this. My little special before the series started, I had them winning in six. And they did it in five, but, you know, I wasn't really going on a limb there. And right here is usually where I jump the hockey, but huge blockbuster trade yesterday. Bradley Beal, guy with a no-trade clause, waived said no-trade clause to move to the desert. He's going to Phoenix, yeah. So you're going to have... White the light over Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, <laughs> DeAndre Ayton, and now you got Bradley Beal. Damn. I mean, there's only one ball, but someone's going to put it in the hoop. <laughs> and uh, who the Wizards are getting back are Chris Paul, who they were planning on waving anyway, right? So I imagine Chris Paul will be moved as another piece. I don't think he'll be staying around with Washington. But they also got Landry Shamit, who played pretty big for Phoenix. You know, he keeps getting moved. Like All the guy does is consistently hit the threes. They're getting some second-round picks and some multiple pick swaps. But no first-rounder, that's kind of wild. A guy of Bradley Beal's talent, you're not even getting a first-rounder. But huge move. Phoenix, they're putting all their chips in a new owner. And they're making all these moves just to lose to the Nuggets again. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll see what happens, but on paper, they look fucking amazing. Luckily for the rest of the NBA, they don't play on the paper. They play on the court. So we'll see what happens. There's always different factors, but Bradley Beal, the CP3, that's a definite upgrade at these stages of their career. So we'll see what happens. Wizards look like they're maybe blowing things up. So I don't know if they're going full rebuild, but yeah. Lots to be coming. Lots of trades, right? And this is the first one. The first domino was fall. We'll see how the rest fall. I was going to go into the draft, but that trade kind of bumped it a bit as well. But Thursday, June 22nd, NBA draft in New York. Or in Brooklyn, sorry. Brooklyn, Berkeley Center in New York. We know Victor Wembenyama will be the number one pick coming to my San Antonio Spurs. It'll be nice to see what number he's going to wear so I can put it on the wish list. But, uh... Rest of the order still to be decided. We're thinking Scoot's going to go second. But to where, we don't know. This Bradley Beal move has happened. Zion Williamson, there's talks that he might be on the move. So is there talk, like, will he go back home to Carolina and play in Charlotte? Or, like, what's happening? 
<laughs> we'll see. Anybody seems movable. I don't know. NBA is wild. But we'll go from the draft on the 22nd right in the summer league, see what these guys can do. But that wasn't the only thing wrapping up. The NHL, again, seems like eons ago wrapped up with another Florida team going home depressed. This time they went home real depressed. 9-3 game five was. It was close for a little, and then... Vegas was just like, you know what, I'm done. Let's end this. Let's potty. And they fucking, they did. They took care of it. Jonathan Marcisso. Whoa. I think I had a few Sissos in there, but Marcisso won the con Smythe. Well-deserved. You know, played great through and throughout. But these Knights fans, they were ready to party. Like, they had to wait a whole six years of existing. You know the Nuggets 47? <laughs> Knights six years. But very impressive feat. You know, it's... Not the fastest. In the NBA, the Bucks, Milwaukee Bucks, only took three years to win a championship. Thanks to Lou Alcindor, which some of you might know him as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And uh, Major League Baseball, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Like, four years. I was surprised at that. I remember it happening, but I didn't realize it was that quick. And they had Kurt Schilling and, you know, the big unit, Randy Johnson, who could have took that name and flourished in the porn industry. But still a good name for baseball. But uh, the NFL, the Ravens, took five years. You know, when that wasn't a full expansion, they kind of ditched Cleveland and started up, crushing Browns fans along the way. <laughs> and the NHL, the Oilers, beat the Knights by one year when the they did in the 80s with some guy named Wayne Gretzky. I don't know. <laughs> the NHL draft's taking place June 28th, and I'm pretty sure we know the Blackhawks will be taking Bedard. And uh, we'll go from the rink to where a lot of hockey players are probably right now, the golf course, you know, and the U.S. Open, only the 123rd ver version of it. And, you know, in the Los Angeles Country Club, and it came out to a great start. Ricky Fowler and Xander Schaefer, like 62 in the first round, you know, records for the U.S. Open. So people are like, really, how tough is this course? But it proceeded to get tougher. Those were just kind of anomalies. Tommy Fleetwood had a 63 in the final round, but no one really had outrageous scores. The people to watch, you know, Ricky Fowler, who had that great run, he came into the final round tied with Wyndham Clark. That Wyndham Clark. Wait, you don't know who that Wyndham Clark is? The one-time winner on the tour? We'll get more to him later. But Fowler came in tied with Clark. You know, Rory was a stroke behind. But, yeah, Fowler dropped. Terrible start. He ended up shooting five over in the final round. People are saying he's like Chick-fil-A because he's not available on Sundays. But <laughs> it's, yeah, another tough one for Ricky Fowler, you feel, for the guy. But with him out of it, it became a two-horse race. Rory McIlroy was chasing Wyndham Clark, and Clark just kept him a little, a little at bay. Ended up hitting his par putt to win on the 18th, and... Congratulations, Wyndham Clark. He won the U.S. Open. 29-year-old was hugging his dad, his sister. You know, he just had to feel happy for the guy. So he had that little sip there. But uh, <laughs> F1 was back in Montreal. We were a little worried. It was very wet, all practice and qualifying. So we didn't know what we were going to get at the track. But Sunday was pretty nice. And coming into it, you had, surprise, Max Verstappen at the pole. Nico Alkenberg was in second, but they found a violation under a red flag in qualifying, so they bumped him down the fifth in the grid. So Fernando Alonso moved up to the front row. Excuse me, and you had the two Mercedes behind him, and Ferrari were way down, 10th and 11th. 
Jesus, excuse me. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sergio Perez in 12th. But that was qualifying. Race went down Sunday. Logan Sargent from Williams. That's the first time he was out of a race. He had some early car trouble. George Russell got in some early trouble. Had to do a long pit stop. He was able to stay in the race for like two-thirds before he had to leave. And, you know, on the 35th lap, there was a little rum Russell tussle between Nick DeVries and Kevin Magnuson. Magnuson. They both had to go down the runaway lane, and it wasn't wide enough to turn, so they had to, like, back up. It looked like Mario Kart when you got stuck in a wall. But anyway, they made it work. Lando Norris was looking good. That's who I usually like to root for. He's from where my mom's from, but he got an unsportsmanlike behavior. He was driving a little slow. Like, people couldn't pick up what he did, but they looked it. And at one point, he was driving slower than normal, kind of holding people up, and which is a safety issue. And the commentators were like, unsportsmanlike behavior for one of the nicest guys on the circuit. It's like yelling at a dog for peeing at the park. But weird analogies, but, you know, you like it. <laughs> you know, and uh, Lando called out his team saying, Esteban Ocon, like Ocon, his fucking wings all over and you look and it's just wobbly city there luckily it didn't fly off and hit anybody but the way it ended is like most races nowadays tell me if you've heard this max Verstappen led the whole race and won <laughs> another canadian gp win red bull's 100th win in f1 congrats to them another podium for the spaniard fernando alonso third position went to lewis hamilton and I mentioned Ferrari with those terrible starting positions. They finished fourth and fifth, so good on them. You know, Perez finished sixth. Alex Albon from Williams was up in seventh, which was needed considering Sargent stunk up the joint. But pretty good race, you know, relatively uneventful. It stayed dry. That's good. It'll be a week off before we return to F1 for the Austrian GP July 2nd. Going from the track to the diamond, the Jays were lucky to take, you know, one against the Twins, but they'd go to the beautiful Camden Yards. I got to go there one day in Baltimore. It looks great. But uh, it wasn't so great for Bassett and Kikuchi in that series. They got chased out early in those games. Berrios played great, you know, helping the Jays win one out of the three. But they'd leave Baltimore, and they'd go down to Texas, take on the Rangers, and they won the first one, 2-1 game. But the Rangers on the second one, 4-2, you know, they had back-to-back -back homers by Jung and Himes to uh, kind of win that one. In the final game in the series, Jays sent Bassett out there. Rangers sent out Gray. Jays got to Gray early, going up big early. You know, they'd get a huge lead, and the Rangers would come back, you know, 6-5 <laughs> suddenly, going into the bottom of the fifth, and then the Rangers would score another three runs, going up 8-6. So the Jays were up 6-0. Now they're finding themselves down 8-6. They got one back to make it 8-7, but Rangers took off again. Win, won the game 11-7. It could have been worse. George Springer made a sick catch in the outfield. Otherwise, that score could have been worse. So not ideal against Texas. You know, getting another one out of two. You keep winning these one out of, one out of threes in these series. You're not going to be doing too hot. But, you know, they wrapped up in Texas. Jays are going to the Sunshine State. Take on the Miami Marlins for some interleague play. So that will be starting Monday. And, uh, you know, the Jays, they're still not doing the best. But they're still out of the AL East basement. The Boston Red Sox are still in the basement. But... It's crazy how the worst record in the AL East, like the Red Sox, would be 
basically tied with the AL Central. It's it's whack. Just reiterating how great the AL East is. Like, damn, why do the Jays got to be in such a tough division? The Rays continue to lead that division, the AL and the MLB, and the, the Braves lead the NL. So, And a weird baseball news came out, too, with uh, David Freeze, former cardinal player like they wanted to induct him until their hall of fame and he just contacted the team and was like nah i don't think i quite deserve that so no i don't want it which is very strange in this day of promoting yourself and so you know me 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 to have someone to be like nah i don't think that's worthy but i think he sold himself short he had a great you know great years with the cardinals and he won with them so kind of weird but teach their own right I mentioned I wouldn't be doing much footy talk, and there wasn't much out there. You know, the MLS is one of the few seasons going on. FC Cincinnati's leading the Eastern Conference, and St. Louis SC and LAFC lead the West. But there were some big, like, international games going on. You had the UEFA Nations League, you know, which had Spain and Croatia in the final. Nothing happened during the game. We went to extra time, like no goals, and there were no goals. So if you were looking for goals, you weren't finding them in this one. We go to penalties. And, you know, Croatia missed one, hit the post. Spain had a chance, fifth kick. They hit the bar. Like, oh, the momentum's swinging. Only for Croatia to get stopped and for Danny Carvalho. Car- Carvaval. Carvajal. Wow, check that one third time. His goal went in. But, yeah, Spain won. Nations League. Some teams, are, some people in the Dutch team are like, why are we still playing? Like, what is a Nations League? You know, they just want to rest. I mean, these seasons just continue to go. And in, like, North America, we had our own CONCACAF Nations League. U.S. beat Mexico to get to the final. Canada beat Panama. So we're like, oh, my God, Canada has a chance at a footy trophy for men. We know how great our women are at footy, but the men's side's not always that great. So we were all pumped. We're like, this is, this is happening. Only for the U.S. to, like, just super burst the bubble. Two goals within 35 minutes in the first half. They went in 2-0. Not too great for Canada. And then more news for Canada. Atiba Hutchinson, longtime Canada player. He's a legend in Turkey. I know we don't talk about him enough here in Canada. But he made his first appearance for the Canadian team as a 19-year-old in 2003. But he's 40 years old now. He's done a great service. He's retiring. It's unfortunate he won't be a part of this, dare I say, golden generation of Canadian footy. But, man, Atiba Hutchinson, you're the man. I applaud you, bro. CFL's still off, right? Week two, we were doing that. Stampeders took care of the Red Blacks. Your Saskatchewan Rough Riders had their home opener against those Blue Bombers, and the Blue Bombers bombed the shit out of them, yo. It didn't go well. Won 45-27. It was close in the first half, but they were outscored 28-13 in the second. Not good. Lions skunked the Elks. That sounds like a weird forestry story. And uh, Argonauts had their season opener where they destroyed the Tiger Cats, you know. And then WNBA news. Vegas Aces are still dominating the West. Connecticut Stun still sitting atop the East. But there was a wild game between the Seattle Storm and Dallas Wings. Seattle had 39 points behind Jewel Lloyd, but Arike Abungawale, I mentioned her before, she is amazing to watch. She tried to drop 41 in the loss, but man, this Dallas Wings team is super fun to watch. They're very balanced, but watching Arike, whoo, amazing. Okay, well, those are the sports, and now this short, we're jumping in this one. But this one, I I even debated doing it, because I knew it would be hard, but it's Father's Day. 
And so I thought, what better way to honor my dad than to mention him on the podcast, right? To a, you know, a larger extent in one of the worst days of my life. So said that pretty positively, but here we go. Yeah, like, uh, like I've mentioned, well, I don't know how much I've mentioned, but my dad was diagnosed with bowel cancer in 2017. Hit us really hard. But my dad, he could spin anything into the most positive outlook, which is what he did. Really inspiring and something I try to do. But uh, they said, you know what, we can remove this. We'll do this surgery. They removed what they needed. The tests looked good. We were all pumped. Yes, it's pretty dope. But then, you know, as cancer tends to do, it returned this time to his liver. Now, you couldn't, they weren't just going to remove anything here. They're like, we got to do chemotherapy again he was super positive like all right let's do it hook me up let's get rid of this so again super expiring and i went with him and my mom to the first treatment you know took some notes what should we look for all this because they had to put like a port in his arm you know so it's easier to hook up to administer the medication but yeah we got all we needed to do did everything they needed but like it was a journey, and, you know, one time his port got infected, you know, and, like, it created, like, almost a hole. They said they had never seen anything like it. He said that was one of the most excruciating things he'd ever been through. So it was pretty brutal. But, you know, we kept showing up, doing what we had to do. COVID came around, which kind of restricted things. I was laid off work for a bit, so I'd make myself available. He'd be like, Dad, when's your treatment? I'll pick you up and drive you because... He'd come to my place. He was adamant about driving there all the time. So he'd come pick me up. I'd drive him there, drop him off, take his car home because, like, parking, unfortunately, you know, parking, even for the sick, like, it's not free. It adds up. So, yeah, I'd take him home and then, or I'd take his van back to my place and he was done. Pick him up, come home, and then he'd go home. So, yeah, it was it was pretty good. Like you know, I those are pretty cherished memories. Now those little van trips, you know, they were just small, but you know, it was a good way to visit. And during COVID, they didn't really want people visiting. But this was, you know, we all had our own bubbles or whatever, and it was fine for me to drive them. But yeah, as uh, time went on, I guess you know, chemotherapy is starting to be less effective. So they tried, you know, different different things. You know, one was like a taste, I believe, where they target the spots on the liver and they just kind of zap them. Again, it looked like, hey, this is promising, but, you know, like cancer just comes back with a fury. And, like, my dad had a hernia at the same time, but they couldn't repair it because, they're you know, the risk of it spreading. So he had that pain going on at well, like, I I still can't believe what he was going through and still, like, putting on a good face. It is making no sense, but that's just, you know, what he did. But, yeah, and, like, he went to get this checked out again. He's like, this hernia is getting worse. And they're like, the specialist was like, or the oncologist, I guess, just, like, your liver is becoming, like, all cancer, basically. And gave him two months, and that was the only time throughout the entire process and my dad's demeanor changed a bit, but I could only imagine having someone saying you have like 60 days, you know, like, oh, I couldn't imagine. But all this led to, yeah, September 12th, 2021. 
I'd plan to go out to my parents, you know, because I was coming out there, like, almost daily to help my mom out when she could. What she was doing for my dad on a daily basis just showed unconditional love 101. But I'd give her a hand, you know, where I could. But then this morning I woke up, looked at my phone. I had a text around 6 in the morning. I guess my dad had fallen out of the bed, and my mom couldn't get him in, and she felt bad. Like, you know, my dad had lost tons of weight, but, you know, he's still a bigger guy, right? So she couldn't get him in. I got out there, got him in the bed so he could rest a bit. She felt just terrible. I'm like, this isn't your fault, Mom. I'm like, you're older now. You can't just pick Dad up, you know? So we got him in there later in that morning. Like, this is week one NFL season was starting. So I'm like, Dad, you want to come out and watch? He said he did, but didn't, you know, the pain. But come out to make Mom happy. So, like, even in his worst pain, like, he's always thinking about others. So it's like, okay. So I walked a little ahead of him backpedaling, you know, because walking had become a little, it was difficult for him. About halfway down the hallway to the my parents' living room, he was about to fall. So I'm holding him up. Asked mom to grab a chair. She grabs a chair, put him on there so he could rest a bit. And I dragged the chair to the living room so we can get him on the recliner. And, like, he was pretty exhausted by this. But, you know, we were able to get him comfy. We blanket on him. He didn't, like, you know, no desire to eat. But, you know, we tried to get him to eat and do what we can. My brother had called. My mom had told him about, like, how much of a struggle that was. But, uh... He went out and got on a buying sale and got him, like, a walker with wheels. I'm like, oh, sweet, that'll help. But, yeah, we put the football on. As mentioned before, my guy Aaron Rodgers, he's having, like, the one of the worst games of his career. It may have been his worst game. <laughs> my dad loved watching Aaron Rodgers fail, so that was making him smile. Plus, Pittsburgh was playing pretty well that day. And we even got some joints because, you know, like, that was a big thing. We'd hang out and watch sports and have some J's. But, you know, this was more for the pain now. We'd get just ones to help with pain and, you know, have some hoots and doing what we were doing. And then all of a sudden, like, my brother says, like, my dad's name and nothing. He's just sitting there. I'm like, oh, fuck. So jump to action. My brother, I'm like, call 911. And I just start chest compressions, you know. Unfortunately, this wasn't the first time I've had to do this. This happened to my dad before. So I knew right away chest compressions. My brother's freaking out on the phone, asking for an ambulance. As I'm doing compressions, I'm like, come on, just stay here, Dad. Mom was crying. Dogs were barking. I was trying to stay calm, talk with the dispatcher. The phone was on speaker next to me now. Just keep doing compressions. First responders came in. So I back up, let them do their things. First lady grabs my dad's legs. Just pulls him out of the recliner. His head smashed on the ground. I was like, fuck. He's like, I know she didn't mean to, but like, just seeing this and the whole everything, I was like, God damn it. And then like, you know, they're doing their thing. They're hooking up equipment and like the whole, it was awful. They're trying to resuscitate him. They're doing all this. They're bombarding us with questions. You know, we're, we're giving them off. I'm like, mom, it's okay. I'll just take all the questions and like. Yeah, they approached us. They're like, this equipment's keeping him going, but he's not really there. And we, like, they had to do what they had to do. They pulled the equipment and left. It was brutal. My dad's just laying there in the middle of the room. The dogs are all coming in for a cuddle. We get kind of usher them away. My mom had us put on, like, Celine Dion's Power of Love. That was their song. They hugged. Like, these are still memories burnt in here. I don't think those will ever go away. But, uh, yeah, I called my wife. She raced out. She was there for me the whole time. 
had to deal with the coroner, you know, and the funeral people. Then you have to call everybody. Like, my mom was in no state to call anyone. So I made the list, went down. You know, each call is heartbreaking, and it's like fucking Groundhog Day because you got to hang up and then deliver to the next person. So it was was fucking brutal. But, uh, yeah, my oldest sister Catherine really stepped up. She helped with the costs and everything because, you know, when... Like life, even when you die, it's fucking expensive. She helped, she organized Celebration of Life, got the pamphlets, so I always appreciate that. We did what we could to honor my dad, but I couldn't even get through a minute of this, probably. Like, the whole event of losing a parent was so goddamn overwhelming. I'd break into tears. I'd mention my dad, and I couldn't. And, like, that sad me, because I'd like to talk about him and mention, like, you know, how great of a guy he was. So straight up went to therapy, yo. Use the resources at work, set up with a counselor, would 100% recommend. Sure, they're tearful sessions, and you need all of them. It's literally life-changing. The only thing that bums me out is how, like, mentally and emotionally I've grown from those sessions and, like, how it took to my fucking 30s to do it. That's the only thing, right? And, like, it takes something this devastating to push you there, but highly recommend it. So if there's two takeaways from this podcast short... Because I guess we're learning now. But uh, first, tell everyone how much you love them. Make it weird. Your parents love the shit out of you, for the most part. And the best way we can show that back is just be there. Short visits, any visits. Once they're gone, there's nothing you can do. Secondly, get help. No, I'm not in trouble in alerting you. Call the authorities. Just telling you get help. Nothing wrong with it. You're not less of a person. There are resources galore out there for people in positions like this. You know, you're not alone. You know. But, uh, yeah, like I said, if I didn't do any of that, I'd probably be bawling. I wouldn't be through this. Like, I'm I'm even impressed myself how far I've gone here. But, yeah, you know, uh, you still get upset, you know, when some things are brought up or be a commercial or something. Who knows? That shit may, it will never go away. Things can get a little easier, but it'll never be easy. And as I said, this past weekend was Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. A lot of my friends are dads now. Shout out to all those brothers. Proud of y'all. Keep doing it. Episode 15 in the books. Thanks for coming out. Ren City out.